Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Amen. We're men and women of faith. We know without faith it's impossible to please God. And so we want to hear the voice of God this morning, not the voice of a man. And we're going to do that with the ears of faith. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King, we yield this time to you. We ask you to have your way. Let the people hear the voice of the Spirit, not the voice of the man, the voice of the Word. And let this Word glorify you as it's meant to do. Lord, your word says that in all things, Christ should have preeminence. He should be above all things. He should be, it should be about all things, all Him. All things should be about Him. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, it should be for the glory of God. The small things, the large things, the glory of God. So we yield to you. We yield to you with all that is within our power to do. But unless you speak individually, we won't hear. So have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. How many people know that uh, I'm here to speak about the ministry of helps? You know that? A couple of you do. A couple of you go, Ministry of Helps, what am I doing here? I could have had today off. <laughs> and, and that's kind of a sad thing. Uh, uh, when you think of Ministry of Helps, you think of volunteering. You think of commitment, responsibility, accountability. Work and the dreaded F word, faithfulness. Being able to be counted on. And already in this world where we have within our grasp, within our hands, the knowledge. We, we watch TV and I have my phone there and we say, where, where did we see her in a movie? What's her name? I'll look it up. Well, if you were going to take uh, 10,000 Philippine pesos and put it into, I, I look it up. If I want to know how, how much 5,000 Indian I can't remember what they're called. It's INR. I, I look it up. If I want to talk to someone on the other side of the world, I dial them up. And we're all so busy, we don't feel like we can put anything else in there, especially volunteering to the church, because the church is sliding down on our priority list. You know what's important now? Me time. i got to have me time. Uh, well, you fit right into what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3. Know this also. In the last days, people will be consumed with me time. 
Oh, oh, I mean lovers of self more than lovers of God. Versus having the, the preeminence of Christ be your all in all. Sports now. I've seen this firsthand. I've seen it in my own kids. Where they get so consumed with their children's sports that nothing matters. And for a 14-year-old that shows some, some talent, we want to be able to see him get a scholarship so that he can do great things in life. Forgetting that it's God who raises one up and God who puts another down and it's God who gives you the power to get wealth and it's God who gives you gifts and it's God that determines how well those gifts are used and how much He'll pour into your life because you use that gift. And Jesus is enough no matter what. He should be enough. See, I, I can preach this message today and I, I, I can speak it. I, I, I've done this literally all over the world. I, I've been overseas a lot. Uh, I spent Friday night from 11 o'clock at night till 1 o'clock in the morning speaking to 110 pastors in India on a really cool program. And I'm, I'm really inept when it comes to programs. Really cool program called Zoom. And they tuned in, and, and I spoke to them from 11 till 1.30 in the morning, which was 9 until 10.30 in the mor morning over there. It's wonderful that we're able to glorify God in the midst of these things. But I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, the natural man, 1 Corinthians 3.14, the natural man, see, this isn't going to make any difference to you. You, you aren't even going to hear what I say. It won't resonate with you at all. If the Spirit of God is not alive within you. You can say, well, we're born again. We come to this church. I, I would never assume every person is born again that's in this church. I never would assume that. We, we forget that in the world that we live in, Jesus said there's going to be false teachers false prophets, false converts. And I can go into a whole message on that. It's scary. Have you ever been to a funeral where the guy goes to hell? No. The preacher doesn't ever stand up and say, oh, I'm sorry, Uncle Fred is burning in hell right now. No, he's not going to say that. He's going to give you some words of comfort. But you walk around the room, and I promise you, nobody in that room believes Uncle Fred went to hell. You can listen to him. They say, oh, he's happier now. He's in a better place. No more pain. He's with Aunt Beatrice. Oh, I'm sure Sparky the dog is just licking him all over his face. Nobody goes to hell. How is that possible? 
If the way is broad and wide that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life, and few are they that find it. How is that possible? Somebody tell me. Help me. I don't know how that works. You say, brother, in our church we have amazing things that happen. Oh, you should hear the words of prophecy. You should see the healing. We have miracles here like you wouldn't believe. I can tell you none of those things prove that Jesus even showed up. Matthew 7, 21 says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do miracles? Didn't we do them all in your name? And what does he say? Depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. And I could add to that, you worship me with your lips. But your heart is far from me. What you present in church is not what you live because there is no life within you. So I can speak to you this morning and I can tell you that the natural man is not going to hear what I'm going to say this morning. For the words are, these words are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they have to be spiritually discerned. In fact, some of the things I say may have already made you mad. But that's because the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. And if you really hear what I say this morning, you will be doers of the word, and I'm not trying to put you in a hammerlock. But I'm telling you, naturally, like old faithful the geyser, naturally, it will come bubbling out of you and there's nothing you can do to stop it because it's God and the Word of God is alive. And the Word of God demands a response from the body of Christ because He is the head and we are His body. Can I tell you a couple of things that might surprise you? Salvation is not being forgiven. It's not about being forgiven. Although we do get forgiven. Salvation is not about keeping you out of hell. Although we do get to avoid hell. Salvation is not about getting you to heaven. Although we do get to go to heaven. Salvation, summed up best in 1 Peter 3.18, Jesus Christ died. The just for the unjust, that's me. To bring you to God. Not to bring you to heaven. God never wrapped his arm around Adam in the Garden of Eden and said, Someday, Adam, I'm going to take you to this really cool place called heaven. No! Adam had everything that he could have ever wanted. Psalm 16 says, 
that in his presence is fullness of joy. Is there anything fuller than full? In his presence are pleasures forevermore. Is, is, Is there anything longer than forevermore? So this isn't about just getting you forgiveness, keeping you out of hell, or getting you to heaven. Salvation is about getting you to God. And we miss that. And you know why? Because we're last days people. And men will be lovers of their own selves. It's all about me. Look what God did for me. God did this for me. He'll do it for you. Where's Jesus in that? Where's Jesus in that? I I asked the superintendent, we pastored in Iowa for 17 years. I asked him, is God in charge of everything? Is God sovereign? He said, yes. I said, does God heal everyone? He said, ultimately, yes, when they get to heaven. I said, okay, I was just curious what our stand was on this. Paul asked three times that the Lord would take the thorn from his flesh. Three times God said, no, you need that because of your great, exceeding great Uh, revelations that you've been given. I I need to keep your feet planted on the ground. You need to be reminded often because you're still a man that you need me. But my question is, in the midst of the worst of our circumstances, Is Jesus enough? Is he enough? You see, I'm in contact with pastors all over the world. I I have friends that I talk to every week to one degree or another uh, in India, in Kenya, in Uganda, in the Philippines, and a number of other places. I tell people, you know what? This thing we're going through here in America, this COVID thing, we're inconvenienced. But these people are suffering. They're suffering. And you know what we need to tell them? Jesus is enough. Because this life is going to end. See, what happens? Here's a dastardly trick of the devil. I know, I'm going to talk about ministry of helps. Here's a terrible trick of the devil. He gets us focused on the day we were born and the day we'll die. That's our life. And that's all we can see and it's all we're concerned about. But really, that's our story, but it's not the story. The story began before God created time, before God created the world. And it stretches out to a gazillion years ahead of us. We're like a little puff of smoke in the middle of it. I don't care how bad your life is right now. 
If you're a believer 10,000 years from now, you're going to look back in the very presence of God and see that time, and you're going to put it in a little category called light momentary afflictions. They nail you to a cross upside down, light momentary afflictions. I told these pastors, you better tell your people to prepare for persecution like they've never experienced before. And you better teach them now that Jesus is enough. You better tell them. If you don't, if it's all about their faith and what God can do to them, for them, as soon as things get tough, they're going to bolt. You better get them hooked up to him who is preeminent, Jesus Christ. He's the one. So I say all that to say, make sure that you're saved. The Apostle Paul, you say, oh my goodness, how can he say that to us? Well, let the Apostle Paul say it. He said to the Corinthians, hey, you guys, over at that church at Corinth, yeah, you, the worship leader, you, the usher, you, the greeter. You, the guy that puts his 10% in the bucket. Check yourself and see if you're even in the faith. Paul said that. Not me. So leave my car alone. When you are truly joined to Christ, you literally become his body on earth. Now, now we, we say that, but, but it's a term like born again. If we really thought of the mechanics of of being born again, Christ on the cross, this imparted righteousness to us. The fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and Christ spoke through that deadness to our hearts and to our spirit and he awakened us to his righteousness. Now born again becomes, wow. Wow. So when I say that we're literally the body of Christ, we are members. If you would, turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 12. We'll spend most of our time there. We are literally parts of his body. Members of his body. See this hand? Each one of these fingers is a member. If somebody has an accident with a chainsaw and loses part of their hand, they, saw, they say, this man lost some members off of his right hand. Members. Not in an organizational sense of, sense of, of being, but members in the body sense. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 
says, we are one body. For as the one, the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For example, for, for my, you know, it took me a little over an hour to get here this morning from my home. I actually live in Lachine, Long Rapids area, if you're familiar with that, about 10 miles south of Posen. If you, that makes any difference to you, you shouldn't. But that's, that's where I live. I spent uh, almost 30 years gone from the Michigan other than visiting family and relations to three times a year, pastoring and other things. But I traveled this morning an hour. And let, let me just tell you something I find kind of humorous, funny. Is that when I got up this morning, I, I, I did not ask my feet... Hey, you guys think, what do you think about going to Gaylord? You think you're down with that? You think you could, what, what, you guys want to participate? Can I get you to be a part of what I'm doing today? Hey, hey, you hands. We need somebody to drive the car. Now, now I, I know you've been busy with your iPhone and your Android and stuff and and you're expecting a, a message to come soon, but I, I, I wonder if you wouldn't mind volunteering to be a part of what God is about to do in Gaylord. What do you guys think? You know, I, I never asked those questions. In, in fact, I don't even think I considered them. They just followed the direction of my will and my head. And they came along. They didn't argue a bit. See, Jesus is our head. And here's one defining characteristic of Jesus. You ready for this? And this you can... You can Take and put into your, against your own life. And check your own Christianity. See, I, 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 trust me. Believe me. I, I, I'm not coming here to offend anyone unless you need offending. I'm not here to make any accusations against you. I'm just trying to share the word with you and let the word of God find you and meet you where you're at. That's what I want to happen this morning. But here's something you can take and, and, and just lay over your Christianity as you see it. And say, am I a Christian or not? Because if you're a Christian, you're a part, a member of the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. Mark 10, 25, the Son of Man came not to serve, or came not to, to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. 
So I tell people all over, if you're a believer, at the DNA level of your, li of your Christianity is a, I have to serve. I have to. It's in me. It's the way I'm wired. I can't get away from that. It's just there. When, when Nintendo first came out, for some of you that knew there was a time before Nintendo, my, my kids, when they got their first whatever it was, and they would play little Mario things, and you'd hear them throw the controller down and go, stupid controller! You see, honey, that's not the controller's fault that you just got annihilated. That's user error. The controller's only doing what it's supposed to do. Stop saying stupid controller. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I think sometimes when God gives us opportunities to serve... And we walk right past them. We're throwing our Christianity in the dust and going, stupid controller. I preached at a church once, and I'm not going to tell you the name of it. I preached at a church once where I had to walk down a hall to get to the sanctuary. On my way to the sanctuary, I saw a, a crumpled up piece of typing paper on the floor three-quarters of the way down the hall. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's see what happens with that. And do you know, every person that walked into the sanctuary that day walked right past that paper because from the pulpit, I could see it. I said, you know what? Every one of you walked past that piece of paper there. Now, you walked past it because you didn't see the value in it. God was giving you an opportunity to be blessed. A faithful man abounds with blessing. You didn't see value there. Just like I can tell you if you're going to have some sort of a dodgeball game in here or something, stacking the chairs, if you run out of here, you missed a blessing. Yes, but I'm an elder in the church. So what? You got hands? If you can do it, you should do it. It's an opportunity. I can do that. And I told that church, I bet that if that was a $100 bill laying there in the hallway, it wouldn't have been there 30 seconds. Because you see value. And you don't see value in the service of the Lord. See, when we think of ministry, we think of the pastor. He's in ministry. Our worship leaders. Oh, yes, they're in ministry. Our elders, they eld. Oh, that's real ministry. Our, our, our greeters, 
I'm waiting for the day that one day a pastor walks into the church and, and he says, where's all the people? Well, the greeters are outside. They're shaking hands. And as they do, people are being healed. And they're out there running around the parking lot. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But it could happen. I think if the greeters prayed as much as the pastor did about the message... Pastor believes he's being used of God. If the greeter believed he was really being used of God, it could happen. Um, I, I can't work in the nursery because I really need a word from the Lord. Let, let, let me give you a word from the Lord. This is it. You got one? You got the Lord. You think God doesn't know where you're at if you're working in the nursery that day? You think he doesn't know you're there and he can't, he can't reach you? He can't get a word to you? The same God who broke through your stony heart and brought to you the reality of the message of redemption. When the Bible says we were at yet at enmity with God, God's enemies, you think that God who spoke to you then can't reach you in the nursery? My goodness, somebody help me. See, we think these big dogs up here, th this is ministry. But, but, but that's like saying, hey, my, my feet, yeah, I got feet, but they're not as important as my nose. I, I got feet, but my elbows, they're not important as my elbows. You know, really, have your elbows not show up to dinner one day. See how that goes for you. They're just elbows. So one indicator, and I think a very important one, of whether or not you're truly a Christian, is a heartfelt, undeniable passion to serve. Because at the DNA level of your Christianity is a desire to serve. Well, uh, is it ministry? We'll talk about that. I know I'm called, but I, I don't know what I'm called to. Oh, I do. I know what you're called to. I'll share it with you in a little bit. Most churches function and most organizations function by what's known as the 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of the work is done by 20% of the people. And the sad thing is... For a church of believers, that should never apply. Because if only 20% of this, this ripped body does 80% of the work, you'd say, that guy's an invalid. He's an invalid. Most of his body doesn't work. Only 20% of it works. 
sad thing is, if we're a church of believers, if we're part of the body of Christ, then every joint should supply. If only 20% of your body works, muscles shrivel, shrivel from lack of use, sickness sets in, other parts wear out from overuse, what's designed for a 90 years shrivels up and dies early. But God is glorified and you form the foundation that he can pour the harvest into. And I'm going to show you that next week. To pour the harvest into and his blessing and his power. We do together, we form that foundation. And do you know that Jesus Christ is a smart enough builder not to build on a weak foundation? You got relatives, oh, if only my mother would come to know Jesus. Ah, I can't be a greeter, I got to be in prayer for my mother, my Uncle Fred. Listen to me. We're going to deal with this next week. <laughs> me and the camera guy. <laughs> if he shows up. <laughs> if we function the way we're supposed to function, if we truly knew where God placed us in the body, and he did. We could be that firm foundation that he can build on. He's waiting. He's waiting. You're not hindering God, I promise you. But he is not going to build on a weak foundation. This message is not meant to condemn you. It is to awaken you to who you are. Now, 1 Corinthians 12. Let, let me get this out of the way quickly. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but of the same Spirit, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's all the same God who works all in all. I want you to notice three words there, same, same, and same. See, we, we, we have this idea that if somebody gets up and you go, oh my goodness, the anointing was so thick in there while that guy was preaching. Woo! That guy's anointed. No, that guy is not anointed. He's a guy. And he's, a, he's like my big toe. That is simply functioning in the role that God set him in the body to do. And the same blood that makes all of my brain cells pop also feeds my big toe. Same blood. 
We say, there's, there's so, man, I just want to be where the anointing is. Then be where you are. Because there's only one Christ. Christ means the anointed. It doesn't say there are many Christs. There's one. So there are diversities of gifts. Same spirit, same blood flow. There are differences of ministries. Same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now, let's see here. We, we have first two rows here. I, I, can, I can use you. You, know, will you, will you want to play? You want to be a part? Is it okay? Okay, all right. We're going to be a part. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Flip over there. 27. And now you are when? Now. now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. I think we already beat that one. We're all part. But look what God does here. This is kind of... Uh, this is kind of amazing to me. It says, and God has appointed, King James, I think, says, set in the church. And God hath set in the church. And that word set in the church or appointed means to create, it's a building term. It means to set up a pillar as a, as a foundation to help hold up the structure. So these are really, really, really important pillars. Okay? And God has said in the church these first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And there's none of us that would quibble at all. Those are all ministry. Right? Apostle, prophet, teacher. Yeah, ministry, sure. After that, miracles. That's, that's ministry, yeah. Gifts of healing. Helps. Administrations and varieties of tongues. And by the way, that word helps there simply means one who lends assistance. And I want you to notice that helps is in the same verse as apostle and prophet. Did you see that? These are all ministries. The guy that put my microphone on this morning, ministry. I bumped elbows with Brian, made me feel welcome, ministry. Had prayer in the back, Ministry. Told me where I could sit. Ministry. Man, the information booth. Ministry. Worship the Lord. Ministry. And by the way, helps is not something that just happens in the church. 
If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're the part of the body of Christ in here as well as at your home. You are the representation of Jesus Christ to your neighbors. You are the representation of Jesus Christ to the people you work with. If they don't know you're a Christian, scary. But is this interesting? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Wow, those are important kind of things. And, and, and let's read on. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. You say, well, what is that? What's the best gifts? Some, some people will say, well, uh, uh, well, the best gift is the one that God has given to you to use. I just need to find my gifting. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to help you with that. But sorry, in light of uh, verse 29 here, what I'm about to show you takes that question, you know, I, I got to find my gift, takes it off the table. It's, it, it isn't applicable. Did you see the best gifts in there? Do you understand Paul just pointed to the best gifts? Can, can I have you eight people stand up? The first two rows here. Stand up. Uh, I, I think it's eight. Apostle, prophet, teacher, sir in the cool plaid shirt, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Okay? You got it? So, out of those, you, you, you choose. Just say, out of those eight, pick one that you want to be. I always wanted to be an apostle. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. Apostle? In, in fact, when I go to Africa, they call me Apostle Tiddy. I never called myself an apostle. And only my grandmother calls me Teddy. Unless you're from Africa and you pronounce T-E-T-E and then the D by itself, T-E-D-E. And when they say that, I go, oh, dear, 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 dear. It's not a good idea, though, to correct your host. So I just say, hey, I'm Ted. But let's see if we can find what the best gifts are, because it's there. Keep in mind that when a question is asked, it deserves an answer. Paul's questions now, this best gifts thing, Paul's question now uh, begins... In the next verse, verse 29, we just read it. And he starts to ask questions because he, he, he wants you to be a part of the best gifts. He wants, you to, he wants the best for you. He wants you to have the best gifts. 
So he asked questions. Are all apostles? Let's answer. Are you guys all apostles? Sit, sir, sit. Are all prophets? No, sit. Are all teachers? Please, ma'am, sit. Are all miracle workers? Sir, please. Do all have gifts of healing? No. You can pray for healing, but not everyone has a gift of healing. Next question. Do all speak in tongues? No. And I'll, uh, So that'd be you on the end. And in this case, it's tongues and interpretation of tongues because the next question is, do all interpret? So although you may believe everyone can speak in tongues, in this case they're talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then he says, verse 31, but desire the best gifts. What's left? Helps and administrations. Those are the best gifts. You say, well, wow, Pastor Ted, you got cheated. You're Pastor Ted. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I'm the helper with the microphone this morning. <laughs> Pastor Norm said, hey, could you come over and teach on helps? Or could you help me by preaching on helps? Absolutely. It's my gift. As long as God shows up, the blood flows to that big toe, we're in business. Helps and administrations. Best gifts. I don't care what you do in the church. I, if, you, if you have to have a badge to do something in church, see one of the elders after church, get saved, and then go to the pastor and ask him what you can do. Because you don't need a badge. All you need is a hand. Because the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10 says, Do whatever your hand finds to do, and do it with all your might. So that piece of paper in the hall over there, are you going to tell me a hundred pairs of hands walked past that, and none of them could find something to do with that paper? Do what your hand finds to do. If it's moving chairs, move chairs. If it's teaching in the nursery, teach nursery. If the pastor says we need somebody to do this, you ought to tackle the man. Because a faithful man abounds with blessing. And your DNA says I got to do it. I got to do it. Get out of my way, I got to serve. You two can be seated. Now, I, I've been married for 41 years. 
We got married when we were four. (laughs) I adore my wife. Gosh, I adore her. And God has given this guy with motion sickness, terrible motion sickness, a command to go to the ends of the earth. I've been overseas 30 times. Got that little patch behind my ear. Got the air blowing on me in the airplane. Get to the destination. They say, sit here, Pastor Ted. I said, no, I'm sitting in the front. Got to sit in the front. I'm one of those foolish things of the world that God uses to confound the wise because, buddy, traveling does not set well with my system. But I do it. I do it. Makes me rely on the Lord. But I'll tell you something about traveling. My wife is, in, I, I think she's the best. And notice I'm not looking at her because uh, if, if I do, she's going to go, stop it. I think she's the best. She's been overseas with me maybe six times, five, six, seven times. Well, why don't you take her with you? She doesn't want to go. She wants to hold the fort. She wants to support me. She wants to be there. She wants to make sure everything's functioning. She wants to make sure I have underwear in my bags and my flashlight works. That's her call. But when I'm gone, all I do is think about my wife. And I probably talk to her more while I'm gone than I do when I'm home. I talk to her in the morning when I get up and she's getting ready to go to bed. I talk to her when I'm getting in bed and she's getting up. I talk to her two or three times through the day if I can reach her. Why? I love that girl! Oh my gosh, I I love that girl. Your wife's on the phone. Get out of the way! I got to talk to my wife. One time I was in India and I couldn't get a good signal. I had to talk to her. Happened to be on the campus of a college in Hyderabad. They have little white chalk lines on the sides. Don't step out of those chalk lines because there's cobras. They caught a cobra by the front gate. One night, I just had to talk to my wife. Woo! We tried and tried and tried, couldn't get a connection. Finally, I got a connection. Hey, how'd you do that? Well, Vicki, I went out of my room and I climbed up on the roof. It was a flat roof with jungle hanging over top of it. I climbed up on the roof so I could get a good signal. She said, dead branch, I'll get down from there. You don't know what's up there. 
to talk to me that bad? Now, if you can relate to that, please now, let's take that and put that into this DNA level on the inside of you to help. I just got to help. I just got to do something. Come on, get out of my way. You've been greeting at this door long enough. You've been teaching children's church long enough. Let somebody else have a turn. Why should you get all the blessings? Now, here's something that most people miss. I find it fascinating. Verse 31 says, but desire the best gifts. We already decided helps in administration are the best gifts. And you can be, I don't care what, what role you have in the church, it's helps and administrations. I don't care if you're an elder. I don't care if you're the pastor. Hey, pastor, it's not your church. It belongs to Jesus. You're just helping out. One time, first time I was in Uganda, I spoke at a church to 2,000 people. The pastor, after I was done, he's a bishop of, I can't remember, 400 churches. He got up and he could not speak into the microphone. He approached the pulpit, stood there, and wept. His assistant had to take the microphone. His assistant said, my God. God, we didn't even know this was in the Bible. That helps is ministry. And now Paul's going to tell us how to do it. I'm sure I must be out of time. Paul's going to tell us now how to do it. Because he says, look at your verse. Verse 31. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So, if I say to you, and now I'm going to show you the timepiece that I wear, what do you expect comes next? You're going to show me, I'm going to show you my watch. Sure. So, Paul just told us helps and administrations are the best gifts. And he says, and now I show you a more excellent way. I'm going to show you how they work. So naturally, what comes next? Go to the next verse. Oh, oh no. The next verse is that ch chapter on love. Love is faithful. Love is kind. All that stuff. We use that stuff in greeting cards and in marriages and in the funerals. I thought he was going to tell us how the ministry of helps worked. Why would he spend a whole chapter talking about weddings and funerals and baptisms and such? Greeting cards. I wanted him to show me how they work. You see, most people miss this. Most, most, most people miss this. Because in, you can look it up later. This should be your homework. In chapter 14, which is the next chapter after the love chapter, he goes back and he starts talking all about, 
gifts from the Spirit and, and the church. So he goes from speaking about us being members and the gifts God places in the church. Then he puts his love thing in there. And then he goes back to members and all God's doing in the church. So I'm going to write you a letter on how to defuse a bomb. Dear you, here's how to defuse a bomb. Take this wire, put it there, that wire, put it there, put this wire, put it there, and then flip the switch, pull back. Oh, and by the way, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Oh, okay. Whew, got that out of my system. Let's get back to that bomb. We, you would never do that. We forget this is a letter. This chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, people put those there. You, you don't write a letter and go, chapter 1. People put that there. So, Paul says, and now I show you a more excellent way. In fact, in verse 12 of chapter 14, it says, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, diffusing that bomb, let it be for the edification of the church. Every joint supplies. Kind of sounds like helps, doesn't it? Faith works by what? love and without faith it's impossible to please God this whole chapter on love is simply teaching us the motive and the motivation of how to be in the ministry of the helper you, you can use it for your wedding I don't care but the way I look at it, I see helps. Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. See how that started love? You know what comes next after that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Ministry of helps. Is this consistent with Scripture and the Lord's ultimate calling for us? Yes. Let, let, let me make it simple. Love and treasure Jesus Christ and you'll automatically serve people because that's who He is and that's what He does. Here's a couple other verses if you're taking notes that show the consistency. Galatians 5, 6, second part. The only thing that counts is faith. Expressing itself through love. Helps. Matthew, Matthew 22, 39. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself helps. 2 Corinthians 5.14 Christ's love compels us. Helps. Now, just for kicks, I rewrote the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 13 with helps in mind, like Paul did. 
So look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to give you the first four verses. You, you can go through and do the rest yourself. You know, you know how it starts. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass, clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, uh, and though I have faith so that I could move a mountain, but have not love, I'm nothing. Although I bestow all my gifts to the poor, to feed the poor, give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, here's reading those same four verses with ministry of helps in mind. Though I can do and know all types of spiritual things and give everything away and do not have the love of Christ driving me to do it, I'm nothing and doing it for nothing. And when I'm serving in the body of Christ, in the love of Christ, regardless of the response or the accolades, whether or not anyone notices, I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm not jealous of what others cannot do or can do, nor am I boastful of what I can. It's ministry of helps. That's why I said at the beginning, and again, I don't, I don't want to be offensive unless you need offending. But that's why I said in the beginning, if, if you're not alive to Christ, what I'm saying is not going to make any sense to you. You're going to think Pastor Norm sent Ted over here to get us to do something. No, I didn't. I came over here so that you'd be blessed. So that you would know Christ and His preeminence to such a degree you can't help yourself. you got to tell somebody. Okay, Pastor Ted, uh, uh, help me out with my ministry because, I don't know, I've, I've been thinking I have to wait until God shows me His gifts, my gift, and, and then I can do it, and I, I just don't know what it is. Let me tell you a story. The superintendent in Iowa, wonderful, wonderful man, 74 years old, he's getting ready to retire. They were going to have a retirement party for him, and I was going to be out of the country. So I called his office and I made an appointment. I said, brother, I just want to come in, say hi to you. and that, that was my heart. I just wanted to congratulate him and say, I can't make your party, but, you know, boy, thank you for all that you've done for me and for my life. And it's been great. So I, I got done with all that stuff. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of the country here in the next day or so. And I wonder, would you pray for me? Pray for me. 74 years old. He starts to weep. And he said, no, brother. You pray for me. I said, brother, what, what can I pray for you for? He said, pray that I don't miss 
my destiny. And it was such a burden on him that he wept. 74 years old, he didn't feel like he had reached his destiny. I, I said, brother, don't, don't we believe that God orders our steps? Here, here, here. Do we, do we believe that? Because that's what it says in Psalm 37, 23. He said, yes, Ted, that we do believe God orders our steps. I, I said, well, according to Ephesians 2.10, don't we believe that God has prepared good works in advance that we should step, 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 walk in them? That means the good work that God has planned for my life is somewhere between where that foot is and that foot lands. Good works prepared in advance that we should walk in them. They're near you. What can I do? You can reach over and put a hand on someone and say, be blessed. God is for you. He's not against you. Jesus Christ knows your name. You can be an encourager of the brethren. You can pick up that stinking piece of paper out of the hall. And lastly, I said, sir, do we believe that whatever your hand finds to do, you should do with all your might? He said, yes. Ecclesiastes 9.10. I said, brother, you are in your destiny. Your destiny is not someday. Your destiny is today. You're already there. God orders our steps. He puts good works in advance that we should just run into them. If you got your eyes open, well, what should I do? Whatever your hand finds to do. Well, I'm not called to children's church. Do you have kids? If the children's church worker didn't show up today and they say, hey, can somebody go back and, and, and teach children's church? Every one of y'all ought to jump up and head for the back door. No, 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 not everyone. Just two, go on. Can you still tell the story of David and Goliath or three men in the fiery furnace? Can you tell the story of redemption of Jesus Christ on the cross? Can you trust God that between where you're sitting now and whenever you get to children's church, God's going to speak to your heart and give you a word in season for those kids? You do. You do if you're a believer. If you're willing to do whatever your hand finds to do. And do it with all your might. If God orders our steps, I can tell you without reservation that you, my friend, are in the right place. If God prepares good works in advance that you should walk in them, then your ministry is at the end of your arm. What can you reach? 
If you're not sure what to do, I can tell you, God's equipped you with two on-board, supernatural ministry finders. Do what your hand finds to do and do it with all your might. You know what that means? Nothing. No. I, I, I want to pray for you. I know it's time to go to lunch or go home or whatever we do next. But listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to locate right where you're at that still, small voice. That DM. I want you to look for that right now. Check and see if it's there. I told a big Baptist church in Alpena, like 300 people, I said, if all you do is come to church and get your spoonful of Christianity and go home, I don't care if you've been doing it for 30 years, you need to find one of these elders and get saved. And that was the first time I preached in that church. And the pastor wasn't there. I didn't know, but he was watching on TV. He sent me a message and said, My goodness, you hit it out of the park, brother. That needed to be said. Do what your hand finds to do. Listen. I guarantee before you get to your car, you're going to see an opportunity to serve. Maybe you're going to help some mom out. I know not many moms are coming out with with their diaper bags. Maybe you're going to open some lady's door. Maybe you're going to open your wife's door. Maybe you're going to find that piece of paper in the hall. Maybe you're going to tell someone, I'm praying for you. Or how can I pray for you? Get really bold. But pay attention. And when you get home, and you see your neighbor out raking dead grass because it's so hot, take him a glass of lemonade. And if they ask you about the hope that lies within you. Why is it that you are the way you are? You tell them. Jesus. He's my treasure. He's my reason for living. He's my righteousness. (coughs) Excuse me. He's my justification. He's my all in all. Jesus. I was a sinner. I still sin sometimes, but it's under the blood. It's Jesus. And if they don't ask, give them the lemonade and pick up a rake. Someday they will. Or you'll find an open door. So helps is not just for the church. 
But if you're going to see revival, I'm going to show you next week a key to revival. If you're going to see it, you're going to see your family members, you're going to see Gaylord, you're going to see the surrounding area come to Jesus. You got to have a foundation. I'm going to show you that foundation next week. And of course, the hint is helps, but I'm going to show you in the Bible. A miraculous outpouring because of helps. Father, I pray for these brothers and sisters. If, if they don't know Christ, if they don't treasure Christ, if they don't hate the sin that they once loved, then Lord, touch your hearts. I don't care if they've been going to this church before it was a church. Lord, show them you're the treasure, not heaven. Heaven's only a treasure because you're there. Adam had God in the garden. We have Jesus now in this life as our treasure. As God, or as Adam treasured God, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Both now and for eternity. And Lord, let the actions in this life, let what we do in word and deed, in motivation, in the why, as you give us the how, let it be to the praise and the glory of God. Everything, 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 not us, but you. Without you, Lord, we're nothing. It's not about us, Lord. This is about you. This is not about our small story from birth to death. This is about the larger story, your story, that stretches out to eternity. And we thank you for giving us that small portion, this wisp of smoke called today. Let us use it to glorify you. Whether we think it's big or small, to glorify you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. To the praise and the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name. By the Spirit of God who makes this word live and not return empty. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, don't be weirded out here. Because God's a big God, okay? Okay? I, I don't want anybody to get all weird. I, I want you to walk in peace. Because we can have peace. Peace that passes understanding. You, when I spoke to those pastors the other night, I was right there in India. With them. 
There's no time or space between believers. There's no space between, there's a space between my toes, but they're still connected to the same foot. So know that the best thing you can do is to pray, all right? My wife slipped me a note and said they want me to pray for Pastor Roger because they just rushed him to the hospital having some heart issues. And he's not doing so well right now. Okay? So no fear. Fear does not have a place here. It doesn't get to rule. And I want to tell you something. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to touch him. We're going to ask God to heal him. But even if he doesn't, in the worst of our circumstances, God is enough. Jesus is enough. You can say, oh, you're speaking doubt. No, I am not. I'm speaking to you Bible. Jesus is enough. And he's enough to touch Roger right now. Let's pray. Stand to your feet. Father, your word says that you were bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was laid upon you, and by the stripes that you bore, we are healed. Lord, we know that our times are in your hands. Psalm 139 says, All of our days were fashioned for us and written into a book before there were any. This day, this time, this hour was written in a book. And the outcome was written in a book. Lord, if we could ask and we can we ask Lord that you touch Roger right now touch him let that heart beat let it beat strong Lord let him come to himself and say my God what am I doing here But Lord, we leave the outcome of this in your hands because you're enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Lord, be with his wife and his family. Take fear away and replace it with the love of God the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you're enough. 
Your word brings life. Your word is life. Lord, I pray for this church family. Give them comfort and peace. And a confidence that Roger's times are in your hand. You're not going to drop him. You're not going to lose track of him. We ask for healing. In Jesus' name, amen.